0: 2 Corinthians chapter 4, once again, 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to continue the message that we looked at last week, why people won't get saved. And we were looking at the fact that one of the reasons is because Satan blinds them. And we were looking at the way that Satan blinds folks. People cannot get saved unless they look to the Lord. But there are multitudes that will look everywhere but to the Lord. And we say, why is that? Well, understand that there are some reasons given in the Bible of why folks won't get saved. And we, let me continue to share with you just one of those reasons that we began last Sunday. Many people won't look to the Lord because they've been blinded by Satan. Look at verse 3 and 4 here. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 3. But if our gospel be hit... And it takes the gospel for somebody to be saved. Amen. Only the gospel is going to bring about salvation in a person's heart. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world, talking about Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Last week we saw that Satan blinds by deceit. Satan gets people to question God's authority. Satan gets people to question God's judgment. And Satan gets people to question God's goodness. And we saw that Satan blinds people by depression. Some people believe that God couldn't possibly love them. And some people believe that God couldn't possibly save them. But listen, there's not a person that God cannot save except the one that will not come to him. Not, there's no sin that someone has committed that cannot be cleansed by His precious blood except the refusal to believe. <laughs> you know, you've you got to believe. You, and uh, uh, you've got to believe that the Lord can save you and He loves you and He will save you and believe that uh, when you call on His name that He does save you. Third thing we want to pick up on uh, this morning is Satan blinds people by distractions. He blinds people by distractions. Now this is a this is a big one in our day. A distraction is that which draws us away in another direction. We could say it diverts our attention. Boy, do we live ever live in a distracting society. I mean uh, especially with these Things that we carry around with us to keep in contact one with another. Uh, how many people do you see in a week that that you know their faces kind of glued to that screen? And sometimes you find yourself with it glued there, uh, and we get distracted by this from the things that are important. We live in a day and time where people are easily distracted. And there are an abundance of things around us that are capable of distracting us. In fact, there are many who are distracted from the truth and they don't even realize it. When you're distracted from the truth and you don't realize you've been blinded by Satan. Many people are distracted by... Prosperity, that's one distraction, prosperity. They're so busy with the pursuit of riches that they don't have time for God. In other words, God gets put on the back burner. Well, you know, I don't have time. I don't have to have time for church or God right now. I'll take care of that later in my life, but then later in life comes and they still don't take care of it. The heart has become cold and indifferent to the things of God. Realize that because of our sinful lusts, the flesh... We'll never be satisfied. People are, are all about trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh, trying to get, find some satisfaction. And uh, they can find no satisfaction in the things of the world. They may temporarily satisfy, but they'll go right back to their searching again. That's why believers are not to live after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And if you want to read about that, take time to go to Galatians 5 today. And you'll see where uh, the Apostle Paul talked about that to the Galatian church, that they, uh, in order to uh, walk in the Spirit, uh, you, was what was important in their life. If you walked in the Spirit, you would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, what does this prosperity mindset say? Well, the prosperity mindset says, I got to have more. I got to work more. I got to I get ahead. I've got to have that promotion. I've got to climb the corporate ladder. I've got to prepare for retirement. I've got to give my kids better than what I had growing up. All of that can be, become a distraction in your life. Sadly, there's an abundance of folks who are so busy reaching for the things of this world that they don't have time for the Lord. So there's prosperity. Well, what else distracts folks? Many people are distracted by poverty, not only prosperity on the other end of the spectrum. There are folks that are distracted by poverty. And these folks are so busy trying to dodge creditors and make ends meet that they don't have time for the Lord. They'll work two or three jobs to try to make ends meet. I talk to them all the time on the phone. What they're interested in is getting uh, this bill paid or that bill paid and you try to get them to see the source of their problems, and they just don't get it. They're they're distracted by their poverty. They're just looking, I I need it right now, and I need this, and this is what I need, and you can't get them to come to church and see that the Lord could help them with their problems. Prosperity, poverty. What else distracts folks? Well, many people are distracted by pleasure. And... These are people who will not be in church today because they are somewhere today pursuing pleasure. Some chose to sleep in this morning rather than be in God's house. So some, that extra sleep on, on Saturday and Sunday is what they look forward to uh, on the weekend. And they're not, they don't have time to come and uh, worship the Lord. Some are out eating brunch in some restaurant this morning catering to the desires of the flesh while never once being concerned about their spiritual well-being. They take care of the physical, but not the spiritual well-being. Some are sitting in front of a television set or, or at a movie theater, getting themselves entertained when they should be in church. Some will be, many in fact, In our country, many will be found at ball games today or out on the golf courses or out on the lake or river or an ocean or at amusement parks. Uh, Some are playing with the toys that their prosperity has allowed them to buy. Some are behind closed doors involved in all kinds of deep immorality, seeking pleasure that way. Now some, but not all of these things that I've shared are not evil in and of themselves. You know? They're not evil in and of themselves. What makes them evil is when they pull us away from God or they take the place of God in our lives or they keep us from doing God's will in our lives. Do you know that God has a will for your life? And he expects you to to find it and do it? All of us, we have God's will. It's not just the preacher. Well, preacher, we know that you have God's will. You're supposed to get up in the pulpit and preach. Well, that's true of a preacher. That's, a, that's God's will for my life. But God has a will for each and every believer. As, well, people need to find what the Lord wants them to do. But we know that the things they put in front of the Lord have become gods. Exodus 20 verse 3 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. But sadly, pleasure has become a god to them. Matthew 6 verse 33 tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Satan blinds people by deceit, by depression, by distractions. There's a fourth way that he distracts folks too. And that is by disharmony. Disharmony. Satan will use disharmony in the family to blind people. You know, families are in trouble today because of satanic attack. We know that. Satan uses adultery, he uses incest, he uses divorce, he uses abuse, he uses neglect in the family to keep people blinded to the truth of the gospel. Some have been mistreated by family members in a relationship that should have been a loving relationship, but they've been hardened against the idea of a loving God because they didn't they weren't raised in a loving relationship. Listen, don't take that out on God. You know, uh, understand that God loves you. No matter uh, what your earthly father was like or earthly mother, you have a heavenly father that loves you enough that he sent his son to die for you on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Some have grown up being allowed to live their lives as they please with little or no discipline in their lives. Uh, for a period of nine and a half years, I ministered to a lot of those fellows in prison uh, whenever I was in Tennessee. I was at River Bend Maximum Security Prison and many of them would tell you uh, the reason I'm here is because uh, I had no discipline in my life. And that's why some of, of their hearts are repulsed by a God who would dare tell them no and mean it because their daddy and mama never told them no and meant it. Some have been raised to believe that there are no consequences for sin. And that's why the prisons are full. And our society is so lawless right now. Are you appalled as I am about the lawlessness of our society? I mean, on every hand, it just it seems, you know, people that ought to know better. And people that are in positions of authority, even, are, are full of lawlessness, that could be a whole nother sermon in itself, but suffice it to say that Satan will use any and every avenue to blind people that he can. Satan will use disharmony in the world to blind people. Listen, instead of fighting our sin problem, we we fight with other sinners because of the lust that war in our flesh. You know, the Bible said it was going to be that way. Uh, James, the half brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus, uh, uh, said in James four one, "From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members?" I want you to listen close to me. Satan doesn't care if you fight communism, or fascism, or militant Islam, or the opposing political party to what we are. He doesn't care about that. Right? You know. Uh, Satan doesn't care if you are a good patriot. Uh, He'll let you be a good patriot. Satan doesn't care if you are pro-life. Satan doesn't care if you fight all the right battles in this world as long as you lose the war. That is, as long as you stay lost. He wants you to stay lost. The more Satan can keep people fighting each other, the more their minds will be diverted from the real battle a spiritual battle. You know, our problems appear to be flesh and blood problems. I mean, when we look at it on the surface, you know, people are fighting one another and uh, opposing one another in ways. But, but, but there are so much so much different than that. They're not just flesh and blood problems. We are in a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. Satan and all of his cohorts are unified in their efforts to keep as many people lost as possible. And that's why we as believers are admonished in Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 13. Paul said there, he said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now, while it may manifest itself in wars and fightings and the flesh and blood uh, in, that we see, it believe believe what the Word of God says. The, what's behind it all is a spiritual battle, and if Satan can keep someone lost, you know that's what he wants to do. But if he can't keep someone lost, then he wants to keep them involved in things that don't matter or things that will hinder or hurt their testimony for Christ. Satan fights to keep us out of God's house. He does. Satan fights to keep us out from God's word. He don't want you reading your Bible. Satan fights to keep us away from our prayer closet. He don't want you praying. You know, he don't want you, you when we have a new prayer list back there, he don't want you to pick that up. He'll get you to forget about that. And your your mind will wander whenever we're in prayer time. You'll be thinking about everything in the world except what we're praying about. He doesn't doesn't want you to pray because he knows that there's power in prayer. So he fights to keep us out of God's house, out of God's Word, and out of our prayer closet. Satan will use disharmony in the family, He uses it in the world, but listen, Satan will use disharmony in the church to blind people too. I grew up in church. I know what I'm talking about. Okay? I grew up in church. John 13 verse 34 and 35 says a new commandment I give you that you love one another, as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall' all men know that you're my disciples, if ye have love one to another. But if we get like the Galatians, biting and adoring one another, yeah, it's not good. It's not a good thing. Sadly, there are many churches that are so full of disharmony that Satan has an easy time uh, using that to blind men's hearts to the truth of the gospel. Satan would rather us fight each other rather than fight him and his influence in our lives. If we're fighting each other, then we're not going to be busy about uh, fulfilling the Great Commission. Many churches today are in self-destruct mode because of their walk and because of their talk. The Bible is clear that every believer has the Holy Spirit living within them. If you if you know Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within. So if every believer would make sure that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you know there would never be disharmony in the church. The problem is that there's some folks that are in church that refuse to be led by the Spirit. They refuse to be filled with the God's Holy Spirit. And that can be a problem. For the, Another thing that I want us to see is Satan blinds people by their devotion. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter number 17. And we see an example of this uh, in the Apostle Paul's life as he was... Uh, uh, approaching a, a a religious group of people, their problem wasn't that they didn't have religion; they had definitely had religion, but they had too much religion, and they didn't have the right kind of religion. Okay, and we'll see that. Look at uh, Acts seventeen. Let's begin taking a look at verse number sixteen. Acts chapter number seventeen, verse sixteen. Now. While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. This is talking about Athens, Greece. It was wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. And certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and some said, what will this babbler say? Other, some, he, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Uh, the reality of, of this, just pause right there. He was preaching to them the one true God. That's what he was preaching. Verse 19. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus. Uh, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know, therefore, what these things mean. So for all the Athenians and the strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens... Notice this. He says, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. <laughs> in other words, they were full of religion. They more religious than others in what they were doing. Verse 23, he said, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, okay, the things that they had devoted their lives to, which were these false gods, he said, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. They were afraid they wanted to leave some God out. Well, they did leave a God out. A God that there wasn't supposed to be any graven image for. A God who is the true God, the one true God. It says, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare I unto you. The one that they didn't know is the one that Paul was declaring, and that is the true God. Verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the earth all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations. That they should seek the Lord. And that gets back to what we began talking about when we were talking about this matter of why people won't get saved. They won't seek the Lord. That <laughs> they should seek the Lord if happily they they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. For as much as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Uh, In other words, to turn from idols and serve God the living and true God. Look at verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. Now that's what, made, that's what sets Christianity apart from any other religion. Listen, look at verse 32. Look at the response here. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. There's three different responses that are mentioned there. Some mocked, some wanted to hear more about it, and some believed. Amen. Satan blinds people by their devotions. Listen, these devotions were idols here. An idol is anything that one puts before God. If there's anything in your life that takes precedence over God in your life, that is an idol to you. I mean, I know it may not be something that you have formed, that you bow down to, but nevertheless, that is what you put before God, so that is an idol to you. Cold, dead works of religion keeps a lot of people blinded. In John chapter number 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus told a very religious crowd. They, these were some uh, folks that uh, were involved in Judaism. And they, they thought that they were uh, right. And in John 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus said, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify me. And listen to, listen to what he said in verse 40. He says, And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. The only way that anybody ever gets life is by coming to Jesus. Any other way that folks try, no, no matter what, how devoted they are to, to their cause, no matter how devoted they are to their gods, I, it comes... By grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Titus 3, verse 5 through 7. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen, most religions, and there are, there are thousands of religions in the world today, and there's just increasing number of religions. It's what you've got to do in order to go to heaven. It's, and they've got you doing, 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 rather than believing on the Lord. You've got to believe in what Christ has already done. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you're without Christ this morning, I wonder, have any of the scales fallen from your eyes and allowed you to see how Satan has blinded you? These are all kinds of the excuses that one can, can use for not coming to Christ. I mean, the, we just touched the surface this morning. Satan will make sure that you use an excuse But listen, there's there's no acceptable excuses when you stand before God in judgment. Except a person repents of their sin and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It's not believing in Christ plus anything or minus anything. but You've got to believe in Christ and Christ alone. What He did on the cross. The gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the scripture. That's the gospel. And only Jesus can save. Christ is able to save anyone that will look to him, but he can save no one who will not look to him. Life is found in looking to the Lord. If you are saved, I wonder, has Satan been using your life to further his cause? Are you living a life that is pleasing to God? Or... Are you distracted and busy about things that really don't matter? Maybe you're living in sin and your life is the reason someone else won't get saved. They'll point to you and say, "Well, He claims to be a Christian and look at what he's got in his life. And I, you know, That's the reason why I don't believe. I, that, there must be a bunch of junk because they, they're, they're not living right. Well, you know, sad at some point to a believer that's got a bad testimony but that's not, not going to keep them out of hell. Listen, if you're not right with God today, why not get right with Him? Don't let Satan use you to send others to hell. And friend, if you're here without Christ, don't let Satan take you to hell with Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for the precious blood of Jesus that saves folks from sin. Lord, I think You for the time in my own life, February 17th, 1971, when You... Your Holy Spirit convicted me of sin and of righteousness and of judgment on that Wednesday evening in revival service. And I, I, I came to a saving knowledge of you that, that, that evening. Even though I had grown up in church, even though I knew a lot of the Word of God, I had never personally surrendered to your salvation until that moment. Thank you for saving me. And Lord, uh, I thank you for using me uh, since that time, and, I, and, and Lord, sadly in my own life there have been times when I I wasn't uh, what I ought to be, and folks get appointed to to me as a reason maybe why they would not come to know the Lord. Lord, I've turned from that, and uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, if there's somebody here that they're in that condition this morning, they will turn from that. I began allowing you to use them to to draw folks near to God, not to, not to uh, be a reason why folks don't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Lord, if there's one here today that's lost, help them to come and be saved today, to only trust you. And Lord, if, if the, there's some believer here today who's not what they ought to be, help them to get right today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.